minute. Crossfade. The Daily Talk Show. A conversation sometimes worth recording with Josh Jansen and Tommy Jacket. Episode. Oh. Episode 110. That was a Mini little bit. stroke at the start. Yeah. How are we? Yeah, good, mate. How are you going? Yeah. Yeah, good. That's good. I sound like a piece of shit. Why? Because your voice. Still... Just me um, nose. And I couldn't. I lost my voice over the weekend. That that was weird. Isn't it interesting? Like some people have that as their constant voice. What, losing your voice? Yeah. Like the, um, especially, what is it about like, um, like cycle like you know the the people who sit at the like stand at the front of cycling classes or aerobics, they have that like croaky. Oh, spin, yes, because they're yelling. Yeah, you know, I used to get it a lot when I'd go hard on the weekend, get pissed, mm-hmm. and then feel horrible on Monday. But must have been yelling in yeah. bars. You you never had that. No, I mean, <laughs> it was worse when you could smoke in nightclubs. Yeah, that, that was would, horrible. Oh, man, I remember being in. Romania and you could they could smoke everywhere you can do what you want can't you yeah and I just I couldn't handle it it was like gross like I wouldn't go to these venues anyway like in a normal like setting outside <laughs> you know in my own hometown but yeah it was gross um, we have it, well if you're listening for the first time we've got an email address hi at the daily talk com. man it has gone off in the last week I'm not good when it comes to email it's one of the things that with my trip, I want to like have a big reset. And, and in, what do you mean good? I had to find good in email uh, landscape. I Replying? Had a, <laughs> I had, yeah, I had 140 unread emails last week. You sent me a screen grab of your phone and it had like 200. And I've, and I've written back gross before to mm. you, but you said it was a different email account. The problem is how many emails have you, addresses have you got? Yeah, I've got, like, got six or seven. So some of them are coming <laughs> from like the... The Melbourne Geek Days, like PR people saying, "Hey Josh, we yeah. test out this product." But um, no, it's the the high at the Daily Talk Show email address. Well, if you send something through, we sometimes we we don't get back to you on email, but we get back to you on the show. Yeah, we get back be- to everybody on the show. But because we haven't had any, because uh, we've had the guests on, we haven't been doing that. So for the last week. We haven't done any uh, any sort of, not shout outs, but sort of referencing the email. We got a um, really good one from Wen. Now, mm-hmm. this is someone you know. Yeah. You've told the story of how you met randomly. I don't know if I have. Yeah. This is the one from San Francisco. No, it's, no that, it's not, you idiot. Is that not that one? No. So, uh, San Francisco, that's Sarah Lee that you're thinking okay. of. When, okay. Wen and I met at um, a lean filmmaking um, meetup. She was working at the time at MAP, which is Melbourne Uni's startup acceleration program. Aren't you glad you asked? Yeah. Well, I remember you telling me, and I tuned out and just assumed it was your friend Sarah. No. So no. Not that, but I thought her name was Wen. Yeah. No. So Wen. Um, Wen's in Canada now. So she's Australian. Uh, grew up in Melbourne, and she's uh, doing like a year or so in Canada. But she pivoted from doing the whole startup thing. She's like, screw this, I'm going to do video. So that gives you the context in which... Well, she, she sent through one and the um, title of it was Binge Listening, Women in Radio, Gamble on Strategy. Yeah. And I mean, that was quite a downloaded episode, yeah. Women in Radio. That was um, someone in Australian, the radio scene, female, wrote an article. We kind of just chatted about it, but it was kind of before it really blew up. Yeah. Not that I'm trying to take credit, but we did discuss it like we discuss most things, Josh and I. Yeah. Um, but I just want to read 
you this email from mm-hmm. when. I think you have some good thoughts around it. And I know that we have a few people that listen that are kind of in the creative space. Sure. Um, hi, Josh and Tommy. I just had a two-hour binge session of listening to your show whilst playing Candy Crush. Really enjoy it. Thanks for the therapy. Um, the Women in Radio episode made me think about a strategic gamble I've been pondering, specifically related to unconscious bias, Yeah, which we've got into in a few episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, this week, I've been doing some camera operating work at the Banff World Media Festival, a trade show in the Canadian TV industry. Looking around at all the media crew, I'm literally the only woman in AV and one of maybe half a dozen Asian people on the entire crew of probably almost 100. At the same time, all but two people on the producing, programming and PR teams are women, both across junior and senior roles. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're just, the ladies are smarter than having to stand up all day pointing well, camera. I think, well, I think naturally... Um yeah, a lot of the PR roles and stuff like that. It's a it's a very women sort of focused industry, female focused. Yeah, so she said, coincidentally, I had received advice from a doco director in the form of an offhanded comment to not let them push me into a producing role and to stay behind the camera in a technical role. Here's the catch. I don't particularly enjoy camera ops. I find it pretty boring and find it's mostly mindless manual labor. However, for the purpose of product differentiation um, and scarcity, myself as the product, in this field that is increasingly offering more and more affirmation, affirmative action initiatives to women, I'm thinking that I should stay in a camera role and market myself as a tech crew. I think it will get me more set hours more quickly than I'm going to um, get down the producer side and I'll have less to compete with, meaning less to other women, less women to compete with. I want, to, I want set hours to understand how the machinery, the product works, so then I eventually can go back to producing and work and not be on the ground doing physical labour. So essentially she wants to be a producer, yeah. but she's thinking maybe I take the gamble and be a AV yeah. video I mean, person. I mean, Wen's very strategic. I think... Um, Which you are too. So this is, I think this is why she's reached out. Yeah, I think... The JJ Support Network. Well, yeah, I I, um, I want to preface with whatever we're saying as... Uh, Gospel. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I've started hating uh, shows that are just advice driven where people are like saying they've got all the answers and all that sort of thing. This is a really interesting part. Regarding unconscious bias, I find that men are puzzled to see me behind the camera and have low expectations, which then makes my job easier because it's not hard to exceed their expectations. And then she says that the show runners Mm -hmm. are also curious as to... You know her being there as a camera operator and want to hire her too. Yeah, I mean, I think that it's a uh, an interesting place to be. I reckon it's it's that thing of you know if you go down the normal path, you know there, there is the regular path that people expect, and I'm all for doing whatever is the least what is they say least treaded trotted or whatever they say what's that word least walked path well, yeah, yeah i get it yeah yeah let's break it down it <laughs> yeah but i think um i think it's a, a great idea doing the the sort of technical stuff because once you build up the technical sort of thing you can then have empathy in a producer role mm. so 
I think that it's, uh, yeah, people are obviously, they'll go the real obvious route, but all when is like putting aside all the unconscious bias stuff, the female stuff, it's just like, it's the question actually is around like, you know, the opportunities that are available. And it's like, okay, if you have the opportunity to work within a company, you know, it's like we talk about with radio stuff all the time where it's like people who go into a certain role with the idea that they're going to somehow end up on air. Mm. Well, a career, I mean, over the years, the industrial years, and then like um, doctors and university, like a clear pathway is what Mm. we're saying to a role like a doctor, do your uni, do your hours, get your, you know, degree and become a doctor. Mm -hmm. Creative roles are far few and far between. Even if you think it's a uh, the 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 path that you need to follow to get to that creative endeavor mm. might not be the path. But it's like what Hamish said about this might not be the thing. This might be the thing that gets you to the thing that you want to do. Yeah. And so you, there's there's no hundred percent on any of this stuff. I think that the I mean there's it's a very hard balance because you don't want to just be doing it because you know because of that reaction because of people saying it's unexpected but there's definitely i think if you put that aside and just look at it purely as a a question on should i take this opportunity yeah i think that that sounds like a great idea i i struggle doing i struggle being that calculated i I would struggle to be in the role if i didn't like it and i would struggle to have to think that okay i've just got to stick this out for a year or two to get to there well i don't even think the other thing too is i don't think it's like a year or two strategy i think it's like a six month strategy like you could find out a lot and learn a lot in the process and then be i think that if it was a completely different if it's if when said oh there's um these opportunities in the catering section you know in unit or, or whatever it is and I, you know, I'm thinking about doing that. Then you'd say that from catering to the producing might be a weirder jump. But I mm. think that there's a, um, yeah, there's definitely something in that sort of going. Yeah, well, you, you learn a lot. I'm mm-hmm. from the school of cowboy. Yeah. Uh, where you jump on and you got no saddle and you, yeehaw. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think that's the thing. It's the, um, as Wen said, it's a great opportunity. Any time that you're. Uh, uh, people don't have high expectations. Put you, yeah. especially in the learning phase, put you in this awesome place. Um, this is just slightly off topic, but I was speaking to somebody uh, about delivering more than you say you will, which mm-hmm. is kind of like, I guess, exceeding their expectations yeah. of what they're going to get from you. Well, it's under undersell over deliver. But I, but I had this moment where I was like, if that is for everything is there a diminishing return on over-delivering all the time? Because then you feel bad if you're not over-delivering. So I was like, for someone I'm working with at the moment, that's what I said to her. It's like, yeah. I'm, I, to be honest, I'm putting in a lot more than I probably should or mm-hmm. what the, you know, what we've decided on. And it's like, I have, a, I've identified the problem with myself that I put that onto everyone I work with. Mm-hmm. So I almost feel like, it can suck a lot of time out of you by trying to over deliver for everybody. Yeah. Well, I think you need to communicate it and mm. sort of be really clear when you are going above and beyond because if it becomes, because what ends up happening is it becomes the norm. Your actions become the, you know, the, the selling bit because they're yeah. sold on what they got last time versus 
being like, hey, I've done this thing. This bit is extra. Yeah. Um, I'm delivering it for this time. And then that put rather than it just sort of you not mentioning it. I mean, the I think about Egg Goldner, mm-hmm. who is a um, – is he established? He's quite – Yeah, he's amazing. He's an amazing filmmaker. Yeah. We went to high school together. I remember he went to university, um, Swinburne, mm-hmm. to do film and TV – Dropped out, yeah. but was working on films every single weekend yeah. for free. Just He was so driven. He's like obsessed about the thing he wants to do. Yeah, and He ended up going back to teach kids at that film and TV course yeah. later on because he had worked his way up to be, uh, you know, a DOP. So like head guy shooting the shit. Yeah. The thing is, yeah, the, it's being comfortable with the ambiguity of what's happening. So it's like being comfortable with the fact that there is no pathway. Mm. And I, I think that there's so many things at play. You can, as an Australian, go to a new market and sort of be the shiny new thing. And so that's the other part. Like taking yourself out of the normal environment mm. gives you an opportunity to look at yourself completely different. And that's probably the – like that's what I love about going to – like having traveled to remote parts of Indonesia or Pakistan, I enjoy the feeling of the novel, like being a novelty. <laughs> it gives you, a, it, it gives me some Dutch com- um, courage. Yeah. All of a sudden, and it's it's this the same thing with, I don't know if we've spoken about it on the show, it's like people who go to London and they uh, work in fashion for a year and they oh, go yeah, from like, being an assistant role and then they come in as like the, the director of like back in creative Melbourne. director back in Melbourne because like, oh, they've done... Yeah, I worked in London. London. Bloody... Oh, London. They must be good. I sank, sank all my spare money on pints at yeah, the pub. Yeah. So, uh, thanks, Wen, for the email. I don't know if that was uh, at all helpful. No, I, th- but I think it was good. It's awesome getting getting emails. We've also... We got one from uh, Matty. Uh, he... He was just basically saying that we shouldn't be so hard on ourselves, that we're good looking guys. And he found <laughs> us he found us recently um, through listening to the the minimalists podcast. They gave you a shout out? Yeah. So that was that was that was good. And we also um, got an email from Danny, who is a train driver, who um, discovered us uh, through um, Trevor Trevor Long's Trevor's, yeah. Uh, what podcast. I love about people emailing is it's not like anyone's giving us their life story. Hey, I'm this person. This this is this. But we're so slowly working out that Danny. You said it was. Yeah, I thought it was Wayne. Is no, it? no, no. So no, Wayne is. Uh, oh, Wayne. Wayne also email. Okay, so but you're hearing these little bits and pieces. Like a, I'm a train driver. Yeah, listen to you on the commute. Yeah, it's it's so good. Well, do you want to mention Wayne's email? There was yeah, Wayne bloody Arthur, I do. The, uh, was Wayne the one that talked about swearing or was that Danny? No, so Danny Danny said about the train driving, he said that uh, <laughs> basically not to uh, not to end your, your swearing well, man. I said I'd tone it back. Yeah, he's not into it. Because I was affected by uh, uh, watching said, me. He said, please keep up uh, with the swearing. I'm a train driver and it's the only <laughs> language I understand. Fuck Tommy swearing ban. I... Um, if you've listened to the Craig Harper episode, mm. and just give me context of who wrote this, but Craig put something on his Instagram account, mm-hmm. and he's one of the most uh, proficient swearers I know in yeah. my world, mm-hmm. and he's successful, so fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he put up a, a post on his Insta the other day. If I swear and Bill is offended, but Bob is not, 
Is the offense a byproduct of my swearing or Bill's thinking? Yep, it's fucking Bill. <laughs> so I like that. Uh, but obviously we're connecting and you might lose a few. But yeah, so Wayne wrote through and he was... And yeah, he's my, he's my uh, relative. From Geelong. Yes, yes. God, I've got a good memory. Except sort I accused of. him of being I mean, a train driver. Yeah, you've you're, you're mixing. You're anyway, mixing a lot of stuff um, up. Wayne, episode one hundred four zero dark thirty. I was mentioning that I got on a uh, Osama bin Laden um, deep dive, watching yeah. some documentaries. Well, he was saying that in uh, military terminology, using twenty four hour clock, nine a.m. would be zero nine hundred hours, or just zero nine hundred. And he said from his experience, zero dark 30 was a general reference to any time between midnight and dawn. Mm. So like during the dark hours. He said that uh, often when someone would ask what time something was meant to be occurring, we would also use 02 early. Or if it was really early, like 2 or 3 a.m., 02 fucking early (laughs) as a generic time reference. Was he in the army? Yeah. You know, you I don't, don't know anything more than that. But I, 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 yeah, so intrigued. Yeah, no, mate. Well, this is this is what's awesome. We're getting all these emails from everyone. We got an email from Stusso as well, uh, aka Steve. Uh, he said that uh, seeing it's National Toasty Day on June twenty eighth, <laughs> maybe you guys can talk about your favourite feelings in your toasty. Um, maybe it's ham and he said maybe it's Sam and cheese. I think it means ham. Yeah. <laughs> um, so and, and also uh, today we also had um, uh, Karina uh, who works in the office next door uh, came in and said, listen to the show. We started talking about stickers. I'm, I'm trying to get stickers for the daily yeah. talk show. It was to- good, Karina. Thank you. You've uh, put a rocket up. Josh's ass. He's been on uh, a sticker website all morning trying to trying to yeah, buy these things. Yeah, we're we're going to work it out. Uh, finally, uh, George emailed us last week about this uh, panic button, also known as the rape whistle, which we spoke about, I think maybe a week and a half ago. Well, I came into the office and I saw on uh, Riley, who works out of here, mm-hmm. I saw on her bag this thing, this little dongle. Yeah. I was like, what is that? Mm-hmm. What's that hanging off your bag? She said, oh, get this. And she pulls it. Mm-hmm. Like a really loud noise. She said, rape whistle. Yeah. Yeah. And so my my instant reaction at that time was like to apologize to the fact that she had to have that. Well, and I sprung so- it on you. I was trying to get you to work out what it is. Mm. And you got it straight away. You're like, it's some kind of uh, either a nut holder or a, a panic, panic button, button which yeah. you got it. Well, so the thing, the way it works is rather than it being a button, it, like you pull it for the siren to go off. But anyway, George was uh, emailed in and he said that his girlfriend was wondering uh, where you get it from because she does walking around Brunswick. And it was, that was only a couple of days before Eurydice mm. uh, uh, Dixon was raped and murdered in Melbourne. And so, like, we were talking, we spoke on Friday morning before we recorded and, we'll, and uh, we're reading the articles and just... It just happened the night before, didn't it? Yeah. And so, we're just in this uh, place where we were thinking, like, you just think how fucked up it is. Mm. You, you know, you, like, I was thinking um, about her and she was a comedian, uh, you know, up and coming comedian and... I'd recently been to open mics where, you know, watching people perform, I could really sort of, you know, paint 
that picture of this is a person that we know. These, mm. you know, we would probably have mutual friends. This is close to home. Well, de- yeah, the details make it really, really real. Mm. When you see that she messaged her mate, said, I'm nearly home. Yeah. I'm nearly home safe. Yeah. And then... And so I don't think like... So to answer George's question, I've emailed uh, him back, but we, I asked Riley... Um, uh, last week and she couldn't remember she bought it off place. a facebook ad yeah but i've found a um on jcar i like i typed in the description of what it was and i found it so it's called the 100 db which would be like decibel red mini personal alarm with torch but um yeah it's it's that uh like brie has been over the weekend just being seeing all of these mm. things pop up on social media well, um, as in the people talking about what uh, happened. Yeah, and it's um. Well, if you're not from Australia, and maybe even Melbourne, I don't know if this travels to Sydney. Like, I'm sure they're hearing about it. Definitely. Well, back Lisa, in the, uh, I guess Lisa Wilkinson has moved to Melbourne. Yeah, I mean, I mean, things are definitely proximity. Like, mm-hmm. you'd be hearing about it more in Melbourne. Yeah, and and thinking about it a lot more. But if you're from overseas, there was a woman years ago named Jill Ma mm-hmm. who a similar thing happened where she was raped and it was... it was And murdered. And murdered. And there was thousands of people protesting down a street. I mean, they were just... It's like a vigil mm. walking down a street. And it made a lot of noise. And, and I guess people are feeling the effects of, you know, something of similar nature happening again in the same city. Well, I think that what I take from it is just this... this Need for change, mm. and not not necessarily knowing the answers, like not knowing what, and realizing the, you know, and we were we spoke a lot about it around the privilege that that we have, and that in the sense of, I was walking this morning, you know, six a.m. in the dark in Collingwood, and the light didn't turn green for me to go on Hoddle Street, so I ended up walking down, sort of a smaller street mm. and I was thinking I'm like you know this is a privilege that I have that I don't have to walk in the light in the main street that I feel like I can walk down a side street without being raped and mm. murdered and so yeah it's a you know you reflect it back to uh, your own sort of world and she, you know Eurydice was in our world she was sort of you know in the the same suburb, a kilometre away mm. from where we are, it's that weird thing of not knowing what to um what to do. Oh, I mean, we yeah, we don't know what to do. I think that's the signs of everyone is like we don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. All these people and some fucking asshole went to where it happened, where mm-hmm. all the flowers are left, and drew something on the ground. Yeah, and I think that it's um, I what I take from it is the it makes me look closer around in the community to the people around us. Um, and it's, you know, I think that the, the, the thing that happened in the media, which was really bad, was it sort of became this sort of women's problem, which was like, okay, like, don't go out at this time. Like, no, like, we need to create a community where anyone can go out and they don't feel like their life is at risk. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's a, and I think that it's the reason that I, you know, we, we spoke about it a lot on Friday and, um, 
and it was that whole thing of you know what do we have to say what do we you know what's you know the one one of the things that you're really hyper aware of through being in radio is mm. you know talking about something just for the sake of talking about it and coming across as tokenistic or trying to relate it to you in a way that just doesn't well it's feel the job of the media and that was what we were encouraged to do is like if it's topical talk about it yeah and that doesn't take into account if you have anything to add so mm-hmm. then you become a regurgitation of information which Mm -hmm. is what i heard it happened last thursday Mm -hmm. and on friday night driving home yeah i heard a lot of people doing that but i think there was what was coming through is outrage and information that is i don't know if it's adding to it or not but yeah it definitely is just how it's dealt with and my point was i don't yeah i'm always concerned about what are we bringing to something and is the opposite you know not ignoring it but just bringing light to something like on the show is that more beneficial for people and i think that in it the is. moment from I, think us. It's, I think that reflecting on it all um actually it was on it was thursday no it was thursday that we had the conversation that we had the conversation um i think that it was the the thing that i've come to realize is it's like it's not a comfortable conversation to have it's not but the thing is that that's our that's the privilege that we have which is the fact that we you know we could say oh this doesn't affect us and that we can walk the streets and for for that reason that you know oh you know let's not let's not rock the boat let's not bring it up we don't need to talk about it but the thing is this no this um we need to to be doing something and I don't know what that I think that the hard thing is that it's we don't know what that is Mm. but we don't need to you know I saw some uh, guys comment on um, some social media posts being like oh don't put men all in this, this, you know, this basket. You know, there's good blokes out there, but you know, this is one. What ba- was that on though? What was the article about? You know, but th- these are these are you know, it's it's conversations around what happened, right? Mm. And the thing is that it's not uh, if if that's the conversation that you're having, you're missing the point because we don't have to worry about being raped and murdered on the street, and so within our community there are people that do it's our friends it's our families it's our neighbors it's our partners Mm. and so uh i think you know people want and i feel this way the media have a fucking you know something to answer for in terms of contributing to this outrage culture and and what i take from you and a lesson you're teaching me is around Maybe it's not the time and place to bring it up when a woman's just been raped. And and I do my bit for outrage culture on in media. I, I talk about it a lot, I think. But what you're saying is those dudes writing a comment on a piece that's about a woman, regardless if if there is trigger points in that thing for outrage. But I don't think there I think this is this and this is the, the bit that gets missed or the, the bit that I think that those comments like it's it's not I don't think that there is any like there's no there's no reason within that context to be trying to to worry about men's it's, it's exactly my point if you're but listening. It's not it, but the thing my is, point but is I know, but it's what, totally not the right place to but do it's it it's not even the right it's not that it's not the right place it's not the the right thing to be worried about like the thing is that this it's yeah, not but a, I think you know you and I talk about things getting out of hand and but I can guarantee you that it's never got like I am never worried 
about that something's going to go so out of hand that something's going to affect me. The only thing that could go out of hand is that we somehow solve this, like, solve this problem. I think you're a part of one equation and there's a lot of people out there that are worrying about how far things will get, which is okay. And I don't agree with arseholes writing on fucking posts about what about us? Like, that's rich. Like, I get that. You're a fucking idiot if you do that. Yeah, but I think that it's, it's the... I think that the, the f- idea that this is a, a women's, a female yeah. problem is bullshit. Uh, and the thing is that the privilege that we have, you know, doesn't like... It's so it's very hard for me to articulate what I'm trying to say. Mm. Uh, I'm not, and and this, I'm not and this going is, against what yeah. you're saying, right? And this is why, like, we didn't speak about it uh, last week was because it was sort of like... Uh, I didn't want... I didn't want it to be some sort of shit show where it doesn't feel like it's it's um, done any good. But I think that what what I'm trying to say is that um, you know whatever if the, if there is like we have a lot of blind spots with mm. all of this stuff. So and we've got a, an audience, you know, a diverse audience of people who listen to us, which I love. Like I love that we have everything from you know train drivers. To having Karina, you know, like a huge amount Shout of different. Out to Michelle, yeah, Michelle. We've got so many different people who listen to the to the show. I know we just listed three, yeah. but we do have more than <laughs> we've three. Got, we've got Steve as well. We've got Wen. Yeah, look, I, I, you know, you brought it up last week about should we talk about it, and it's one hundred percent on people's minds in Melbourne. And so, well, if you, it wasn't even should I talk about it? I think what should I, we bring it to the show? I we decide was, what yeah. we talk about in the show. Yeah, it was it was a question around. Uh, I've read all these articles. I've I see this this person. I've heard her story, and I think that we need to say. And I think we need to say something. And the uncomfortable nature is we don't. I don't know what it is that we should be saying, but I'm trying to realize that my little bit of discomfort now in not knowing what to say uh, doesn't come close to the discomfort of being out on the streets at night or trying to get home from a gig or trying to, you know, make a life for yourself as a comedian and having to worry about whether your life is on the line. Mm. Um, So we went there anyway. (laughs) So we did did talk about... But, like, I think that it's... um, I think it's important. But yeah, send us an email, hi at the daily talk show.com. If there's, you know, around this topic, we we know, Tommy and I both know that we don't have the answers to these things. And, um, you know, I it has been on my mind constantly. Every t- time I'm walking, I saw someone approaching someone else uh, over the you know, on Sunday night and I felt like it was sort of a weird situation. So I just hung around. Mm. I don't know. It's this weird thing where it's like trying to work out what to, you know, what are we meant to do? And so it's a, um, you know, but any, any extra perspective in these types of things, this is, um, you know, I want to be, I want to be schooled. I want to learn. I want to know how I can help. I think, yeah, we don't have the personal experience in a lot of these areas, yeah. but hey, we're not over here trying to say that we know we have answers. Yeah. So, and I think that the the other thing too about this is it's like it's that friction of you know there's a current affair shows or there's like you know a panel shows in Australia that talk about these issues and they go from this like uh, talking about this crazy you know horrendous thing to have happened and then be able to flick a switch and be all fun and all that sort of thing. I 
I find that really difficult. Well, yeah. <laughs> I feel like it's disingenuous. I, I mean, I think that it's, you know, I don't know how to com- compartmentalize. I, can, I, could never, I could never say that we could talk about this topic and then all of a sudden flick a switch mm. and be like, all right, let's, let's talk about some fun shit because I think that this is... Um, well, you're setting yourself a massive trap because then we're still no, doing we're the done. show. No, I think we're done. I think show we're done. done. For the, yeah, we're done. Holy it's, shit. Yeah. We got through 30 minutes? Yeah, it's been over 30 minutes. Oh, I had a and great th- story about the sauna. I don't think but we did. not a good time. No, no, I think uh, in all seriousness, like, you know, I think that it's um, – I really do mean that, that it's uh, – um, when you look at uh, Eurydice Dixon – had a career, had a life, had friends, family, relationships and that was, you know, that was taken away mm. and, you know, I know that there's not, not much that we can do now but what we can do is put light on the fact that she fucking existed and she was someone who didn't deserve to pass away. Mm. And You're... I appreciate the sensitivity that you have because sometimes I lack those thoughts. Well, I think that it's just, and I, I'm definitely not perfect, and I realise that, I, like, I cringe at myself, myself hearing me talk about this stuff. And we do have this desire to bring lightness and joke and all that sort of thing, but it's a, um, it's, uh, yeah, I think it, you just need to whenever you put that empathetic lens or you know that lens on, it's um yeah. We uh, if you want to send us an email, hi at the daily talk show dot com. We've got some good guests coming up because you're you're out of here. Yeah, you're so, gone next week. Yeah, so I leave uh, on Tuesday, June twenty six to Europe. So we're going to be doing the show remotely. Uh, there'll be a new show. Uh, which will be you and I talking Monday to Thursday, so this sort of style. And then we're currently doing pre-records um, with guests for Fridays. Oh, We had a great chat with a guy named Jeff Jowett. Yeah, he's a really interesting guy. He's so but interesting. Someone who, uh, who's really changed his life, gone from you know this dude who described his life as a bit of Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. Well, he had, he had a company that was generating $35 million a year revenue. Yeah. To nothing, mm. and he's done it multiple times. Uh, yeah, and uh, a lot of life lessons and addiction along the way. So that will be a really, really interesting one. So just again, that uh, J car. If it's the 100 dB red mini personal alarm uh, with torch, is the thing. It's ten bucks that you can get. Um, so yeah, thanks for listening, everyone. It's always it's a it's an uncomfortable. And I, I, what do I do when I get uncomfortable? I just keep talking. So I'm just going to finish it now. Have a good one, everyone. Bye.